If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not so great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Reed. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking. Yeah, man. We were at for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. On today's show, we'll talk about a coming attraction, where we'll give our thoughts on a movie that's coming out soon. This week, we'll be talking about Wild Mountain Thyme. And, uh, and then after we're done talking about that, we'll move on to the SIF topic, which this week we'll be talking about MCU Phase 1 because it's a comic book week. And Black Widow was supposed to release about this time uh, for its second release date. And we'll get a chance to explore the B-plot when we're done talking about the MCU Phase 1, so up to the Avengers. And uh, during the B-plot, we'll be answering a question that Joseph sent us. And then we'll wrap up with a spin-off quick recommender warn from each one of us. Now, quick note, normally... What we do is uh, with comic books I talk about with Ben, but Ben had a family emergency that uh, needed to be taken care of. And so I said, hey, like, don't worry about it. I'll uh, find somebody else to fill in. And so I picked somebody that hasn't been on the show just yet, but I also thought it gives us a chance to talk about something cool that Reed's been doing for the website. But so uh, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Let's get a chance to know Reed. Reed, when did you realize you had a passion for movies? Well, growing up, I remember I always really loved storytelling. Um, I used to want to be a novelist when I was a kid. And as I grew up and realized that there are just way too many good books out there for me to ever try and read or, God forbid, write my own um, (laughs) that stood out, I realized that movies not only were a little bit less intimidating to me at first, but I think ultimately I decided was my favorite ultimate storm of ultimate form of storytelling uh, just with that extra visual component thrown in uh, the music the camera work just all the art form that went into it that wasn't it was storytelling which I of course loved and so much else that I didn't realize I would come sure. to love so do you have like a movie that was kind of like that tipping point that you really realized yeah movies over books or you know movie movies that I go to I think the first movie that really awakened me to like what a movie could be or that it could be more than a movie was cool hand luke Um, okay the first time i watched that movie i remember just being absolutely floored blown away at so much of it. it stuck with me for a really long time after i watched it in a way that hadn't really happened for me before cool so um what is your favorite movie then and why specifically that one like what makes that movie beyond excellent my favorite movie bonafide number one is chinatown there are a good number of reasons for that. I, first of all, think that the movie is flawless. The music is fantastic. Jack Nicholson is in top form. I love Faye Dunaway in that, and John Huston uh, as the villain in that is just top-notch. I love everything about it. But as somebody who has tried their hand at screenwriting, I've read that screenplay probably upwards of 30 times. 
it's just so immaculately immaculately pieced together. Uh, and it's just overwhelmingly impressive to see that in its full fruition on the screen. Uh, yeah. I've seen that movie at least 15, 20 times, and I think I like it more every time. Yeah, you're not alone thinking that that's a perfect screenplay. I know uh, I, there was a video on my YouTube queue for a long time that essentially said why Chinatown is the best screenplay ever written. I don't know, maybe you made that video. <laughs> <laughs> no, not me, but um, apparently a smart person. Yeah, I saw Chinatown for the first time uh, during quarantine. I think it was kind of at the start of quarantine. Um, I was recovering from surgery, and uh, you know, so I had some time to watch movies. And I was like, "What you know? What are movies that I don't normally watch, or what are movies I'm normally not like excited to watch?" And typically, those are older movies, and especially like older movies that still are kind of long. And Chinatown's mm-hmm. not like terribly long; it's what like two twelve, something like that. Yeah, I think around two twelve, two fifteen ish. Yeah, it ain't terribly long, but this, but older movies to me have always felt really long like north by northwest is a long movie but to me that feels like a four-hour movie gotcha. um, so uh, which but i like it you know it's i think it's really good so um so there's that so uh when exactly did you or not when why how did you get involved in writing for Sip pop well i was friends back in like my high school days with ben davis and he was one of the few people that i met that enjoyed talking about movies at length with me most people i just bore with my uh, <laughs> with my droning on about films but ben actually really enjoyed hearing me and engaging with me on a lot of those topics so we stayed in touch even after he'd moved away but we stayed in contact and he eventually told me he was like hey i'm helping out with this website uh and if you'd be interested we'd love to have you come on and give your opinion and like I said, I was having a hard time finding anybody who wanted to listen to my opinions on anything. <laughs> so I was I was more than happy to put them in written form and be able to put them out there for anybody who happened to be interested to see. Sure. Especially, you know, you're talking about people not wanting to talk about movies. I mean, if people want to talk about movies, they're talking about things like Transformers or the, the stunts right. in the new Mission Impossible movie. Like, you know, like no, generalization. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. you're probably the exception. But not a lot of people really want to talk about Chinatown, especially like people like our age, relatively young people. Like, right. but but Chinatown's totally perfect of talking about for, for long periods of time, right? So you've been doing this uh, this series for the site, which has actually been really cool. It's uh, it's been pretty cool to see how it's sometimes aligned with uh, with what Robert and I are doing on the show, which is every month him and I pick two older movies that would be considered greatest of all time uh, to some mm-hmm. people, or at least like in the conversation for greatest of all time. And we're you know one of one or two of us haven't seen each one of these movies, and we're kind of saying, "Yo, is this a goat?" And uh, and you've been writing uh, about movies. I, I believe you've seen. All of the movies mm-hmm. that you've written about, probably several times beforehand. Right. But but you also have been writing uh, about 20th century flicks on, on the website. And there's been uh, at least three articles that have come out by the time this recording. Because there's mm-hmm. North by Northwest, Citizen Kane, and... Uh, uh, Blade Runner was my first one. Blade Runner. That's right. Which uh, I just think it's kind of interesting kind of how they... Timing-wise, I mean, of course, you talked about Citizen Kane right about the time that Mank came out, which is why we also published that episode two weeks ago, and Sif Pop Proper also published that episode two weeks ago. So everybody was talking about Sif, uh, Citizen Kane on Sif Pop. And uh, what kind of gave you the inspiration for, for that? And um, what is the purpose of these articles? And if you want to share like any that you have that you are like excited to eventually talk about and explain, you can do that too. Uh, just uh, what's, what's the idea of 20th Century Flicks? Yeah, I kind of like what you said 
a lot of people, even if they do want to talk about movies, very rarely want to talk about in-depth storytelling aspects. And even beyond that, there are very few people who really want to talk about older movies. Um, a lot of people, like, if a movie's in black and white, like, they they just have no interest in watching it, which I have a whole soapbox about. I won't get on that at the moment. But, <laughs> yeah, and when I started writing for Sith Pop and stuff like that, I noticed that a lot of the articles, a lot of the conversation was around newer movies, which is fine. That's what people want to read and listen to for the most part. But I just didn't feel particularly inspired to jump in on any of it because, like I said, the movie that really first roped me in was when I saw Cool Hand Luke on TCM. Uh, and I just kind of dove into older movies from there and found that I enjoyed those way more than a lot of the newer movies. I do love new movies. I see new releases all the time. But a lot of my favorites, I think eight out of my top ten all time came out before 2000. Okay. So I just asked Ben if there was any way that I could kind of like take the niche that I was really interested in, which was older movies, and kind of utilize that for the site and kind of burrow my own little hole and talk about the things that I am really passionate about and things that most people don't talk about very much because, I mean, it makes sense. They've been out for like 70 years, a lot of them. So why are we talking about them now? So part of what I go after in the articles is why these movies, even though they were made forever ago, um, well before I was born, are still worth watching. Sure, I am. I am interested in hearing your soapbox on uh, on why black and white film matters. But you know, maybe maybe next time you're on the show, and I think I think it's really cool too. Uh, man, you got to get in, con- in contact with Dexter because Dexter is kind of the same way. That's kind of his his niche is is, is mm-hmm. older movies, and uh, yeah, it sounds like you guys just need to need to get together and have a powwow about <laughs> about movies that came out before 2000. Well, that's really cool. So, are you, you you have some in mind, or how do you, how do you go about the process of picking these ones specifically? My first article was on Blade Runner, which I just watched Blade Runner for like the third time. The first time I watched it was actually when I was first getting into movies, and I was just not tremendously impressed. And then I watched it again about a year ago, and I was like, okay, this is awesome. So it moved into my like top twenty five all time. And then I watched it again about four or five months ago. And I was like, this might be the best thing I've ever seen. And it moved to my it moved into my number three spot all time and has held that pretty firmly. But yeah, I just adored it. I had tons of thoughts on it that were just like pouring out of my head. So I was like, I've got to write. That was what made me message Ben was like, I just I wanted to write about Blade Runner. Um, Not that I was saying anything that people hadn't said before me necessarily, but I wanted to I wanted to write about it. Um, and then beyond that, I tried to get a little bit more topical. I don't think I'm going to do that for all of them. I did North by Northwest for November as we were supposed to get a new James Bond movie in November. Yeah. Uh, so I said I was going back to the original James Bond film, uh, <laughs> North by Northwest. And then, of course, like you said, everyone's talking about Citizen Kane this month. So I decided that would be a good idea to do for for this month because even though it is incredibly historically important, that's what most people talk about. I just, I still think it's fantastic storytelling. Um, sure. Even 80 years after. I mean, there are a good number that I'm excited to write about. Uh, I'll probably do Casablanca, even though that's another one that I can't say anything that people haven't already said. Sure. Uh, yeah. But casting the Sundance kid is another one that I'm excited about. I'll do cool hand Luke eventually. I think there's something really fun with what we're doing about the the goats is that one of us has seen 
some of these and so has experience bringing into it. And the other one is watching it with fresh eyes. And I think, I think there's something really interesting about that. Like, because like you mentioned, you didn't really like Blade Runner for the first time you saw it. And I, I think Blade Runner is okay. I don't particularly love it. I don't particularly like it. I probably wouldn't put it on my top 250, but I have Blade Runner 2049 as like my 24th favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. Seeing something for the first time and, and understanding kind of where it came from and, you know, somebody's history versus somebody's, lack of experience i guess so it's it's a lot of fun I've, re- I've been really appreciating reading them i think the north by northwest one was specifically outstanding and uh and i really loved reading all of them though it's not to say that i didn't like the other ones but yeah i'm excited for whatever you pull out in the future should be good appreciate it so um so one silly question before we get moving on it's just you know something not movie related something to just get a little bit more glimpse of uh of what your brain thinks like is that I have an easy answer for this, uh, but if your state, the state you live in, was represented by a food, what would that food be? Do you know what Bojangles is? Yeah, I've been to Bojangles. I go to a school, like I'm in, a ma- I'm in the master's program at my school, and so a lot of the people here have come from other states and things like that, but North Carolina is my home state, so I've been eating Bojangles forever, and everyone I grew up with adores it. The people who come from out of state, a lot of them just are not impressed with Bojangles. And it's just this weird dichotomy of North Carolinians. I don't want to speak too generally, but North Carolinians <laughs> adore Bojangles and everybody else is just kind of indifferent. And I think we're fine with that. We, we're perfectly happy with that being our, our thing. And I know they have them in, in a few other states, but this is just a dichotomy that I realized sure. uh, at the school I'm at is North Carolinians adore their Bojangles. So if I had to pick something. That'd probably be it. Man, you're making me hungry. So now I'm like, I'm <laughs> craving. You got to mail me some bull jangles, I guess. Yeah, I'll probably head there after this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, Bojangles is, is really good. I remember really loving it. Uh, I mean, mine's easy. I live in Iowa. It's corn. And gotcha. It's, yeah, it's, that makes sense. It's corn for a couple reasons. Is One <laughs> is we produce so much corn. And mm-hmm. 90% of Iowa is cornfields. I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, a lot of Iowa is cornfields. But corn, uh, but it's also just because, like, you know, it's there's nothing super special about it, but it turns out like can be pretty useful because, like, you know, we're we're the first caucus, and you know, corn yeah. is used for like cornstarch and lots of other things. So it's like, turns out Iowa can be relatively useful, even though there's not necessarily anything special about it. Yeah, uh, it might not blow you away, but you'd miss it if it weren't there. Ex- so. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. So uh, yeah, so I mean, Iowa, Iowa corn, that makes sense. That's it. What uh, if you if you think your state represent is represented by some sort of food, then you should definitely tweet at at us later and um, and let us know what uh, what you think that is. But uh, I think for now, we, we got a chance to know you a little bit. We got a chance to catch up um, and a little bit of your history of movies and hip hop and all that. And uh, let's talk about a, a movie that's coming out uh, this week. So uh, on December 11th, that's this Friday, uh, on simultaneously in theaters and on VOD, a new movie is coming out called Wild Mountain Thyme. And synopsis for this movie is a pair of star-crossed lovers in Ireland get caught up in their family's land dispute. So, Reed, we've both done a little bit of looking about this movie. I know you said typically um, you like going to the – to the uh, to the movies and so you're not just a 20th century flick guy which also like i low-key had a little bit of hesitation asking you when we uh when when we were talking about comic book movies like modern big blockbuster action movies but i was like everybody's seen the marvel movies right right <laughs> so yeah so why mountain thyme we got a little bit of chance to look at this a little bit of chance to kind of see uh what this movie's going to be about what do you think if there was no covid in the world 
um, if the world was relatively normal, how excited are you to see this? Would you go catch it opening weekend? Would you wait for a matinee, save a couple bucks, wait till you can rent it, watch it comfort your own home, wait till it's on a streaming service you could already pay for it, uh, or that you already pay for, or are you just not interested in seeing this movie? I'd probably stream it. I, I think I'd give it my time. I don't know about much else uh, money-wise, but it looks like it has some potential. I like the cast. I think Jamie Dornan, given the right material, can be good. I'm interested to see him be comedic. I don't think I've ever really seen that side of him. Uh, Emily Blunt's fantastic. I'm a big John Hamm fan. And Christopher Walken's also great. So the cast is there. The cast has a lot of potential. But I saw the trailer in theaters a while back uh, before I'd even heard of it. And to be honest, it didn't really excite me. There was nothing about the trailer that really hooked me. Hopefully, hopefully it's better than the trailer was. I think I'll still try and watch it. I don't know if I'll pay extra to watch it or not, but that's kind of where I am right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm exactly where you are. I think I'm right in the streaming, streaming category because almost the same reason you listed. A movie with Emily Blunt and John Hamm and Christopher Walken, I mean, like, there's got to be something that, well, I mean, maybe not Christopher Walken. He's, he's older. He takes whatever gives him a paycheck for the most part. Uh, but, I mean, Emily Blunt and John Hamm are both at the peak of their careers uh at least the prime of their careers like they're both like a i would say a-listers at this point and you know they're they're definitely having their moment in hollywood right now i mean john hammond's in everything i, I really love seeing him in just all the varied roles like when he shows up randomly and curb your enthusiasm you're like wasn't expecting this but a happy surprise and right. uh, um yeah I, there's got to be something here right i just I, i'm not i'm not particularly interested in jamie dornan the uh 50 shades guy uh, which you know, unfortunately he took that role, and now forever he's the Fifty Shades guy. Yeah, I saw I saw an interview with him uh, where he said he'd been inspired by the turn that Robert Pattinson's career had taken. Because I mean, Robert Pattinson, I think of him as one of the most exciting actors in Hollywood. I think he's he was awesome in Tenet. I'm excited to see him as Batman. So he moved on from the Twilight films, which people used to make fun of him for. Uh, so maybe we can hope that Jamie Dornan can move past being the 50 shades guy maybe not but one can hope right that's fair well yeah one can hope but i always want actors to be the best and i don't super i mean i just mostly call him the 50 shades guy as a joke i don't really uh, that is what most people know him for right right i don't want to typecast people i don't want people to be typecast i'm you know, so I guess I guess get that out of the way. Thanks for calling me out. Um, like, just <laughs> but just that's how people are going to know. I don't know that people know the name Jamie Dornan. But, yeah, I think you're right. But people can recognize him if they see if they see him because oh yeah, Fifty Shades. And even if you've never seen the movies, like myself, or if you don't want to admit you've seen them, or you don't want to admit you marketing was every <laughs> marketing was everywhere for those. Yeah, movies. yeah, fair so enough. Like, this looks like a relatively simple story that I just don't care about. That's that's the biggest reason. Like, I probably would be. Never going to watch this movie. This looks like a pretty standard rom-com, which like I know my wife's all over all all, all about that stuff. So she'll probably like it, but I ain't going to pay to see this movie. So if I'm already paying for something and can catch it, I could see us watching this for some random date night or she's in in that mood and I can get away with watching this instead of The Notebook. She hates The Notebook, but uh, I could get away with watching this instead of I don't know, some, some rom-com that she really likes that she's in the mood to watch. like Which this is kind of my stance on almost every movie, so I'm kind of just blowing air at this point. But if the reviews are good, I'd be willing to pay to go see it. If it Sure. My general rule is if a movie can pull over like a 7.7 on IMDb, I'll pay to go see it. I'll try and... That's uh, hard to do, though. 
It is. It doesn't happen incredibly often. But normally I try and like avoid genre, avoid my stigmas, whatever. If the reviews are good enough, I'll try and get out and go see something. That's true. Well, that's, I don't yeah, anticipate that from this movie. No, um, no, neither do I. But, I guess that's a pretty good standard. Like, if IMDb has a score high enough, that means enough people enjoyed it enough that, yeah, I mean, why not? Like, there's clearly something here. Like, even if, mm-hmm. you know, because, and we've seen time and time again of awful trailers for amazing movies and amazing trailers for awful or mediocre movies. You know, uh, so trailer doesn't give away anything. There are there are some p- more positives here. Um, I want to talk about the writer director for a second. This is a this is a John Patrick Shanley movie, and uh, I mean, look, he's got his pros and cons because like he wrote Moonstruck, and I haven't seen it, but I know that's held in high regards. Um, it's before you know the 1990s, so I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, I, just, I don't know that that's my kind of movie. Uh, he wrote "We're Back," a dinosaur story. That's that's a little bit surprising, um, but it, but then like he also like wrote Congo and kind of Congo is kind of like a really bad movie. But then like in two thousand eight, he wrote and directed Doubt and like right that was pretty stellar. Right, like so so what? Where is this guy? Is this going to be Doubt version of him or is this going to be you know Congo version of him? And he's also directing this movie, and this doesn't look like a movie that like is going to need to be particularly directed well like yeah i think it's a bit more of a passion project i don't know much about the writer director but i think it's it's an irish movie right like that's kind of what they're it's a, i mean it's about irish people for. i'm pretty sure it's an yeah, irish movie I, right but i think the writer director might be irish like, i think this is a bit of a passion project for him well give it yeah given um, his last name shanley right yeah so but, i don't know if that's a pro or a con uh, right that he might just really want to make a movie about the Irish people. I mean, and and maybe, you know, and maybe this is some sort of personal sentiment. Maybe this is like a story, a modern telling of how his parents met or something, or something like that, or how his grandparents met or something. I just, we got Oscar win for screenplay from Moonstruck. Then we have Congo and then we have doubt, which is Oscar nominated screenplay. Like dude's not consistent. So I, I don't know that we can base anything off of that, but and again, directly, right. this doesn't need to necessarily be a directed, a well-directed movie, but he also directed doubt. And so like it, it could go either way. Um, right. It, but it almost gives me a little hope because the, the three movies that I know of, I know two of them are held in extreme, really high regard. And one of them is the one I have seen. It's just a terrible movie and nobody should ever watch Congo. But and we talked about the cast. I mean, our top four people are pretty great, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe not. I, I've never seen Jamie Dornan in anything. I don't think so. I'm not going to speak to him. But Emily Blunt, John Hamm, both great. Christopher Walken is for the most part good. And I'll stick with streaming. Yeah, I'll stick with streaming too. Do you have any other thoughts you want to say in the movie? State your piece before we move on. I don't think so. I I hope it's very good. Which I, again, I say that for most things. Um, well, I don't have a ton of hope, but I think I think it's possible. I wouldn't be shocked if this ended up being a movie that I really enjoyed. That's Just based on what I've seen, I don't see it going that way. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and release window. I mean, we're talking, this is an early December release. I mean, that's typically Oscar bait. So, like, is there actually something really good about this? Are they hoping to get another Oscar-nominated screenplay or Oscar-winning screenplay? Like, but, you know, and, and rule of thumb, look, I always want movies to be good. Like, mm-hmm. as movie lovers, we want movies to be good. I want... I want to like every movie I see, but unfortunately it's just not the way it works out because sometimes we have Congo. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, we'll end on that note because I don't really want to talk about this movie anymore. 
So Fair it's enough. a Wild Mountain Thyme. It'll be in theaters and on video on demand December 11th. Well, let's move on to our SIF topic. We'll be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 this uh, this week. We're going to talk about each movie in relatively shallow depth. Uh, um, you know, We're not going to get to spend a ton of time on each one of these movies. Uh, and we're talking about Phase 1 because it's just too many movies to talk about all of them at once and also um, we're talking about them specifically this week because this is the week that Black Widow was supposed to release and as we know it's been pushed back again so we're just gonna we're gonna deal with this and uh, and it'll be good so uh, if you haven't seen them I'm gonna warn you for spoilers here so Reed let's let's start with Iron Man uh, Iron Man do you like it love it hate it dislike it think it's just okay I still really like Iron Man um, okay of the origin movies I still believe it's my favorite in the MCU I would I, I, I would say yes with an asterisk because which is, this is my favorite like actual solo origin movie. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't count movies that like the origin movies that are later on that are like different characters or have like existing characters in them. You know, something like a Spider-Man Homecoming or a Captain Marvel or something like that, right? Or like a Guardians gotcha. of the Galaxy. I would I would say this is the best like solo origin movie. Yeah, um, I was a big fan. I saw it in theaters like what twelve years ago, almost thirteen years ago at this point. Same, yeah, same. I, uh, I Summer of the Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot when I was younger. I still enjoy it. I still think it holds up really well. Introduces the character very well. The villain, as much as I love Jeff Bridges, this was still kind of, as we'll get to talking through these, um, in that MCU phase where their best idea for a villain was to make him essentially just the hero, but evil. Just Jeff Bridges in his own Iron Man suit. Yes, but at the same point, or at the same line, can we fault the first movie to do it for what has been created onto a stereotype as recently as... Black Panther or Captain Marvel. That's a fair point. Uh, I mean, still... if we're talking about rewatchability, like right. sure, maybe maybe that's a little bit stale. But can can we really mm-hmm. fault John Favreau and Kevin Feige for for choosing to do that, or can we just fault them for continuing to do that? Yeah, I guess Iron Man is still a bit of an anomaly there, and I love Jeff Bridges' character as the villain, his personality as the guy who was kind of a mentor, just. Tony, and then ends up betraying him. I think it's a very interesting character perspective. Mm. Uh, And the final battle, even though, like I said, it is still kind of just two equally matched forces essentially going against each other, uh, is one of my favorites in the MCU, if for no other reason than its essential simplicity. It's just them going against each other. It's not hordes of CGI armies going to battle, even though that can also be really fun. Uh, yeah, I like the final battle in Iron Man one. Sure, for the reason that it's a little bit different. Yeah, I like um, I like this too. Uh, not I like I love this movie. Uh, if we're going to like it, love it, hate it, just like I think it's just okay. Scale. I love this movie. This would be top tier for me. And it, it to me, like I like to love most of the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think for the most part, I would say I really like or I love. I would give most of them an eight or above. Um, that's not all of them. I would give most of them an eight or above. But to me, this is like tippy top of that tier because this would be this would be a ten out of ten because I don't I don't fault same versus same here um, because it started it all. Um, and mm-hmm. not only that, but I think that there is uh, Jedediah isn't just taking 
another Iron Man suit, kind of like you know Black Panther is literally same versus mm-hmm. same, but but with Iron Man, it's um uh it, it's it's same versus like beefed up original model. So it's like right. he he's made improvements on an original to make it you know legit and it kind of reminds me and i don't know if this is what they're going for but it kind of reminds me of like old monster movies in that regard in that regard where you have like mm-hmm. you know tiny people versus this big monstrosity almost like an archie's weird mysteries kind of thing mm-hmm. um, but uh, but there's there's a lot of reasons why this movie works um i think the inclusion of tony fighting terrorists is really cool i, I don't think mm-hmm. that was something i'd seen in comic book movies to that point not saying it wasn't there. I just don't know that I'd right. seen it, let alone for a blockbuster. It probably just goes without saying, which is probably why we're not, why we're not saying it. But I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is excellent. Right. Try yeah, to start. Gwyneth Paltrow's okay. She's always just been okay. She hasn't really been given much to do. So yeah, the arc that they start with Tony, even though it's fantastic throughout, even if maybe a little bit uneven at times, but the arc is very clearly started in Iron Man in a very impressive way with him realizing what his company was responsible for uh, that he in a sense was the villain that his weapons were being used yes to do harm and him like reckoning with that even after he gets out of the cave reckoning with what he is responsible for is just a bit more which again you said this came out like the same summer as the dark knight so yep. it's hard to say that there wasn't complex characters in comic book movies but it's still just more than I'd expected from an Iron Man movie. And I think it's still, in a sense, a little bit more than a lot of comic book movies have today with his internal struggle, his deciding to cut off the weapons division. Um, I just think what they do with that character over the course of the entire MCU is fantastic. And the seeds of it are all in the original Iron Man in a way that stands on its own perfectly well. Well, that's a that's a good point you bring up because like this is a great start to a cinematic universe because the movie itself is excellent, the story itself is contained, but you also do have you know aside from the post credit stinger setting up a future, you have hints at what's to come. You have Tony interacting with a prototype Captain America shield, like which acknowledges the existence of Captain America, and you're like, okay, like now we're working with something here, like. And something like this MCU had never been done before. I mean, we have franchises and connected universe and things like that, but not like simultaneous releasing movies with timelines. And Mm -hmm. it's just like some really interesting stuff. And so like, it's not as connected to everything as it's. And and I feel like in the same way I talked about it with Ben, but man of steel is kind of the same way. It's a solid tells its own story, but gives us enough of an inkling that we're like, Okay, yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, you mm-hmm. know, this isn't like uh, the Predator, right? Mm-hmm. Where this is trying to establish something very clearly, much bigger than this, mm-hmm. or um, something that gets bogged down and tried. The Amazing Spider-Man Two, great example. Something that gets bogged down and trying to set up too much too fast. Right. They just give us the little details and like, cool. We'll release a new movie next year. It's like, all right, I'm in. I'll be there. Right. Man, this is gonna be hard because. What can we say about these movies that hasn't been said before? Not much. So uh, I, I think I'm I think I'm good for that. I, I've talked about how how good it is. It's uh, it's excellent. Uh, well, I guess I guess one point. Um, what do you think about Rhodey uh, of uh, Terrence? Right. What do you think about him? Do you like wish that he'd have stuck around, or do you think that I, moving over to Cheadle was okay? I think it was okay. I like Don Cheadle, and I think he does a fine job with that character. But just naturally 
I do think Terrence Howard has a little bit more star punch and is a little bit more charismatic than Cheadle is. I like what Cheadle did with the character. I wonder if because Terrence Howard is a slightly bigger name, I don't know that he's too much bigger. I would disagree with that. You think he's... You think I mean, Don Cheadle's bigger, or yeah? I mean, Don Cheadle is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but an Oscar-winning actor. I think for uh, Traffic, right? Yeah, yeah. In what? O two, something like that. Uh, yeah, O two or three, somewhere around there. Uh, but you know, he's also Hotel Rwanda. Um, right. He he's not done things like this too much before. Right, right. But yeah, uh, in this arena, I mean, Terrence Howard. What's his most notable role besides Rhodey? Uh, I hate this movie, but wasn't he in Crash? I don't know. I didn't see the Crash. one best picture in like two thousand. My my only exposure to it before Iron Man was in Four Brothers. He was the Victor. Oh uh, yeah. No, not um. He was he was in Four Brothers, but he wasn't the bad guy. Right. But yeah, I I do think Terrence Howard's just slightly more charismatic to me, and I guess that's a pretty subjective take. Um, I'm perfectly fine with somebody saying Cheadle's a little bit more charismatic, but I don't know. I would have been interested to see what Terrence Howard did with the role, but I don't consider it a tremendous loss that we switched over to Cheadle. Sure. Well, that, that was kind of the point that I was going to bring up is first, I'm going to blame the lack of character development for Rhodey on the writers of the movies, just because Cheadle can only do so much with what he's given. And guess what? Right. When you only appear in one out of every six movies and half <laughs> the time it's to be a damsel in distress, like, or, or, or deus ex machina, like, cool. You got your yeah. five, five minutes and, and then that's it. Like, uh, you know, because Iron Patriot, he's got you know he's stuck in the Iron Patriot suit, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's got a lot in, in Iron Man. Too. It's it's almost to the point that when he when he almost dies in Civil War, you're like, oh no, Rhodey almost <laughs> like you're not actually right. like, oh no, this character that I cares about, kind of like at the end of Infinity War, you're like, you know, like these characters that I care about are gone, like you know. So uh, I do think if there is a weak link to this first Iron Man movie, it is Terrence Howard, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call him out and being a weak link. I'm just saying. Again, probably because the way Rhodey's written, he's a sidekick. He's a um, he's a bit of a pushover. Sometimes has some comedic lines about about things, but for, you know, at least pushover by by Tony. It's just mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think we lost anything by it. But uh, you know, it would be interesting to see an alternate reality where they were able to figure out contract negotiations. It's just, I will say one more point before. We move on. One thing it. that is apparent, very apparent watching Iron Man and Iron Man 2 um, is watching them now is the impact of the Disneyfication of the MCU. Okay. They just have a different, grittier feel to me. And not that this is necessarily a loss, but they can be a good bit more inappropriate. That's fair. Watching them back now. Uh because I didn't notice it when I was a kid, and then I didn't really notice when they switched over to Disney either. But in rewatching them, because my wife and I kind of did a whole rewatch because she hadn't seen many of them uh, before Endgame came out, yep. and watching the early ones pre Disney, you were like, "Huh, I don't think I don't think they would have made that joke." Uh, well, I think Civil War. yeah, this was released by Paramount. I think Disney still had a a part of right control yeah, but, but probably but probably not enough creative control uh yeah it wasn't a, an official disney uh whatever like it is now right well this was well this was also really interesting because Dis- the way the mcu has done totally has been very different because you have this mm-hmm. iron man and then they progressively get like 
silly, childish fun. And then all of a sudden, like Iron Man 3 is dark and serious and mm-hmm. it still has some childish fun to it. And then you get to like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, oh, cool, we can go hard into PG-13 now. Like, all right. <laughs> and then so you can tell all of them get a little bit more explicit as they go on. They're like, oh, we can make that joke. And people liked it. Like, OK. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, but but also in, in respect for the tone of this movie, like you have to give credit to Favreau. Man, Favreau is is an amazing world builder. And if Mandalorian's mm-hmm. not you know, proof of that. Like he's an amazing world builder because he was able to it, essentially Iron Man is like the pilot to a TV show for right. what they had in mind. This sets the tone. We're going, we're going um, lightly serious, but like we're, we're still going serious. We're not going cheesy, but we're mm-hmm. going to still keep it like we don't want, we don't want Uber dark, but at the same time we want, we want them to have fun with it. We want it to be a good time. We want people to leave with a smile on their face because they laughed and it was enjoyable. And so like he, he nails the tone. It, it's yeah. great. And we have a lot before the rest of the MCU to, to thank for the first Iron Man, which is why for a long time I did hold this as my number one MCU movie. But uh, but we can talk about Incredible Hulk then. Uh, Incredible Hulk uh, came out just a couple months after this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Reed, what do you think about this movie? Like it, love it, hate it. It's like I think it's just okay. Uh, I think it's just okay. I don't think it deserves all of the hate it gets. I think it deserves much of it, but not all of it. It's not terrible. When you compare it to the rest of the MCU, it pales in comparison. It's It's got a little bit darker tone, but it doesn't really justify its tone, in my opinion. I actually really like Edward Norton as an actor. I don't know how much I love him as Bruce Banner. I would have been interested to see where the arc went pre-Ruffalo. Sure. I like Liv Tyler. Um, Thunderbolt Ross is a cool character. There are pieces here for a good movie. It just never really gels for me. That's fair. Uh, I, I think I'm a little bit higher than you on this. I'm still going to land in it's just okay. Uh, maybe the low side of liked it. And maybe maybe part of this is that we don't really have much future connection to this movie. And so one of the things I did uh, when, after Endgame came out was the thing that impressed me the most about Endgame, which made it my favorite MCU movie, spoilers, is that it does so well at making sure that every movie before it counts. Mm-hmm. And the Incredible Hulk, when I rewatched it for that, I literally only had two notes, and one of them is a brief appearance of Captain America. Like, that's it. It, it doesn't really set up credits. well, and the and the appearance of of Thaddeus Ross. Like, that's it. There's not a lot of connection, and so maybe if there was those future connections, it might make me like this movie a little bit more. But it's almost like Disney wanted us to forget about it. Well, but then, but they they could have done that, but then they brought back Thaddeus Ross for Civil War, and I'm right. I, for one, I'm happy that they did that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I don't think it deserves a lot of the crap that it gets. I think people just look at it and go like, "This is a decent." Uh, I think people think that because this is a decent movie, a su- decent superhero movie in a time where superhero movies are at their finest, that means it's bad. Like it's it's not a bad movie. It's there there are definitely some things that aren't great about it. Um, I. Like you, I like Edward Norton as an actor in this role. Uh, I don't know how I feel about him as a person, but um, at least at least for this role, I, I like him. I, I would be interested in seeing the uh, the the different MCU with him instead of Ruffalo, but that's not to say I prefer him than Ruffalo. Um, I think I still maybe prefer Ruffalo, but I I really like Ed Norton as as Bruce Banner, um, specifically as uh, as Bruce Banner. I don't like the design of this Hulk at all. It, yeah, I can see that. It just looks atrocious. I can't. I can't pinpoint it, but I think it's like with with the Hulk that we get in Ang Lee's Hulk, which 
I haven't seen long enough to say anything about. But at least like with the Hulk that we get in like Avengers, like Hulk is very smooth, muscular, and his mm-hmm. big puffy muscles. Where this Hulk just looks like flat, not muscular at all. His skin looks a little like wrinkly. Like I mean, he looks scarier, which mm-hmm. maybe is what they were going for. But he doesn't look like anybody that I really want to see on the screen. Right. So that, and I think I think this movie does a bad job at what we were just talking about. Iron Man did so well. Is I think this tries to establish too much because you have general ross and then you also have the the betty is it betty or betsy i think it's betsy betsy ross um the Liv tyler stuff mm-hmm. and you have uh the introduction of abomination and the introduction and the origin story for the leaders well i do think this one does too much to try to set up things in the future and, so i have uh, a question yep. do you think that anything would have changed if the incredible hulk had come out like six months before iron man did because do you think the hype for Iron Man would have been very high if it had had to follow the Incredible Hulk? Here, here's here's what I'll say about that. Put it in a different release year, and mm-hmm. probably. Put it in 2007, and probably. Mm-hmm. But to come out the same summer as The Dark Knight, no. But Iron Man is good enough that yes. And then Iron Man came out, and then Incredible Hulk, which again, it's a solid movie, kind of kind of coming out. Those both were 2008 movies. Yeah. Um, then you know, then you don't get anything until 2010. So I, I think put it in 2007 before the Dark Knight comes out, probably okay. But because being back to back with the Dark Knight, no, it wouldn't. Everybody, everybody would have immediately forgot about the Incredible Hulk. Uh, I only have one more note about this movie, and that's I freaking hate Liv Tyler uh, in this movie. Really? <laughs> I don't think she's a good actress in general. I, I think she's definitely a weak link, and even something like the Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't think she's a good actress. Uh, I think mm. she's 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 bad uh, in everything I've seen her in, except for maybe that thing you do, which she's decent in. She's not good mm. or bad. She, I don't think she's a good actress. I think she's emotionless, and I wish people would stop casting her. Um, and so, yep, she's definitely a weak link for this movie for me. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, I, I don't mind Liv Tyler. As an actress, I, I think she's fine. Uh, she doesn't bother me in any way but as a character i would have rather seen especially the way that things went with civil war and things like that the romance between ross's daughter and the hulk mm-hmm. over natasha and the hulk they've never really hit it off for me well uh, i've never that's... really enjoyed their run and i get that that was like kind of trying to push what happened in the incredible hulk out of people's minds by having like hulk move on to well, and I think, I think that we just can't, I, I, I didn't, I don't know that Disney, at least at this time, knew what they wanted to do with Black Widow because she kind of right. has a relationship with Hawkeye, even though he's married, like, but they have kind of that flirty, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's good, it's not meant to be flirty, but they have like, right. these two work well together. Um, and then, uh, I think you find out about Hawkeye's family and then it's just like, okay, well that's off the table. So, uh, mm-hmm. then they try to do the Bruce Banner thing. And even in Winter Soldier, she's like hitting on Cap pretty hard. It's just like, I just don't think they really know they really knew what to do with her and i think like she's dead now but <laughs> right like i i think that yeah they maybe still didn't know what to do or they or just realized that not every female has to have a man and not every man has to have a woman right like right you know they could they could just be friendships and platonic and uh yeah i'm i'm the betsy ross character i'm all for bringing back some of these characters that have been forgotten. I'm all for bringing back Abomination or the leader. I was really hoping they were going to do one of the two for uh, 
the Incredible or for the Infinity War because they're like we just went through every single character that's been mentioned and named that's still alive. It's like so you can bring back Abomination and you can bring back that. You know they went with Red Skull. It's just like right. I, I want to see Abomination come back and I want to see the leader come back and the leader actually do something this time. Yeah. Um, I think that I think I think these be cool, but we probably won't get any of them until we get a solo Hulk movie, which won't happen probably ever. So, right, uh, like at least not in the MCU. Uh, but yeah, I'm really I'm that's the one character I'm okay with them leaving behind. All right, you ready to move on to Iron Man two? Sounds good. All right, same rule: like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Going just okay again. Uh, okay. I, I I rewatched this one recently, like I said with my wife. Uh, and I, I wanted to like it. I just I didn't really I didn't really like Mickey Rourke's character as a villain. I didn't really like what they did with Rhodey. I didn't feel like they really moved Tony's arc nearly as much as happened in Iron Man One or Iron Man Three. Yeah, it, 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 it's there. I don't hate it, but yeah, it's it's lower tier MCU for me. I'm again going to be a little bit higher than you for this. I'd go low side. I liked it. This is. Uh... A complicated movie because this is one of those that as I think about it I'm like I don't really remember this being all that good but when I'm watching I'm like I like this it's not great it definitely has its flaws you're right Rhodey is kind of a thrown away character he's always been uh and at least in the movies and um uh Whiplash is not necessarily the best villain he's not awful but he's definitely not not great I don't particularly like Mickey Rourke <laughs> um just in in this kind of role uh mm-hmm. Justin Hammer is to me really like one of the biggest weak links um again mm. pepper pots just not really with paltrow has not really been given much to do ever until Endgame. Uh uh-huh. so do you think uh but i'm saying all these negatives but i'm also saying like i kind of liked it i think the action set pieces mm-hmm. are done really well mm-hmm. um and i the I'm, car I'm, scene i do think it's cool yeah the for sure the racetrack one is really cool but the uh the other thing i i we see tony trying to figure things out we see him um, you know, he, he has a suit when he needs to, but we, we see Tony have to figure things out as Tony, not just, I can put a suit on and do this, but we see, we see him, we, str- we see him struggle. I think Robert Downey Jr. is giving a great performance in this movie. Yeah. It, it's, it's not awful, but it's, it's not great. I don't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I just, it's kind of there for me as I look back on the MCU. And I just, I don't feel like there was much about it that made it special. Like, I'm one of the few people that really enjoyed Iron Man 3. And of course, okay. like I said, I, I really enjoyed Iron Man 1. Yeah, Iron Man 2 was fine. It it didn't blow me away, but I enjoyed it. You said Justin Hammer um, was a weak link for you. Was that like character-wise or uh, it's definitely not Rockwell's. It's definitely not Rockwell's performance because I think yeah, Rockwell's I great. love Sam Rockwell. I wish he would have been more interesting in this movie. Well, and that's also one of those people I kind of wish they would have brought back for Infinity War. I mean, he doesn't fit in that story at all. Right. I, w- I would like to see Hammer return, and especially, you know, with Tony out of the picture, mm-hmm. um, you know, what does that look like? Maybe we could get a Justin Hammer. I mean, I, I hate to say Spider-Man because Spider-Man's already been so entwined with Iron Man, but like, Maybe Ant Man versus uh, like Pym Corporation ha- is have is butting heads with Hammer. Like, I like Rockwell. I think uh, it's 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 not a performance thing. It's um he's he's an extra layer. I mean, he's essential for the way the plot went. But I think the better mm-hmm. story would have been just to have Whiplash go try to get him and right. But I, I, I won't get I won't fault that to Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is one of my favorite actors working today. I think he's I think he's fantastic, and I wish he had a better role in the MCU, but. I, I mean, I won't say he's particularly like great in this role. 
Uh, no, this, no, is, no. this is this is low tier saying Rockwell, but yeah. uh, he's excellent in Seven Psychopaths, Three Billboards, yeah. uh, Moon. Moon. Right. He, he's he's an excellent actor. He's one of my favorites too. Um, yeah. so, so I'd agree. He's uh, severely underused here. Yeah, that's one of the. Well, he's in the movie a lot, but in terms of quality, not quantity, he's yeah. underused. Or that's one of the issues I have with Iron Man too is yep. that I feel like it criminally underutilizes one of my favorite actors of this generation. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how else to describe. I, I've said I've liked the movie, but I, I've pretty much only said negatives about it. I don't know how else to describe it. Is I like watching it, but mm-hmm. when I'm not watching it, I don't. I don't know how I feel about it. Right. Um, but when it's on, I'm really enjoying myself. So, and I think Probably a lot of that is. The, I think a lot of that is the set pieces, the action yeah. set pieces are definitely a step up from Iron Man one. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about Thor then for a hot second. So, the original Thor, uh, same rules: like it, love it, hate it, dislike it. Think it's just okay. I, I like this one, so I'm a bit higher than I am on Incredible Hulk, Iron Man two, but still, still below the original Iron Man. Uh, okay, I think the effects are really cool. I think it's got some great set pieces. I, I love. Loki's character. He's one of my favorite characters in the MCU. We'll talk about that more with Avengers. But on the whole, the story's just not fantastic. It's fi- it's fine. I like it more than the other two. There are some comedic bits with Thor first coming to Earth. I think they overstay their welcome a little bit with those jokes. See, I think that's the best part of the movie. But it's, really, it's it's what I wanted. Like. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about the character, but that's that's to me the best parts. You know, where he's drinking coffee and he says it's good. Mm-hmm. Another, and he throws it on the floor. Like that, that's yeah. one of my favorite moments. And yeah. just his like not understanding how American culture is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, some, that's some of the best parts to me. I like Thor as a character. I like Loki as a character. I don't love Odin in this movie. I think he's more interesting later. Um, yeah, I mean, he's very just stock, big, yeah, really guy um, who's paralyzed for half of it. <laughs> Yeah, and they don't really do much with Idris Elba's character either in this one. I, I never am a big fan of what they do with Heimdall. Is that Heimdall? Yep. Yeah, I mean, you're not Idris alone. Elba Idris Elba himself is not a fan of his really. Role. Oh, he's I, been very outspoken about it. I mean, until Ragnarok, where he kind of got something to do, but he's still yeah, he got a like, little bit to do. But nah. yeah, he was just very disappointed. Yeah, he's another one, kind of like Sam Rockwell, that I feel like the MCU had their hands on a fantastic actor. Yeah. And didn't do enough with them. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. So that's that's one of my beefs with this movie. Uh, but overall, it's fine. It it's good. I like it more. The story's just not all there for me. Thor has a pretty complete arc, uh, so that's a plus of kind of getting humbled more or less before he can go back. But on the whole, there was very little about it that blew me away. Sure. So I'm settled. I'm settled in on liking it. Okay. I'm I'm right there with you, and again, I might be a little bit more high than you on it, because uh, I, I I like this movie. This is one of those that I'd put as eight out of ten. It's it's not excellent. It's not it's not even great. It, it's borderline good and great. Uh, it's border mm-hmm. it's borderline really good. I'd say actually, uh, between good and really good. Um, it's I like what they do with the story. I like how it's very much a sort of like Hamlet Macbeth. It's Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I think Ken, I think Kenneth Branagh bringing him in to do it was a great choice. I just think that maybe somebody should have reined him in a little bit more, and I liked it a lot more because it feels like they just brought in Branagh and just all right, do what you want. But I feel like you know, if Feige would have had a little bit more creative control on, yes, this is a Shakespearean type of story we're trying to tell, but I don't want you to go full Shakespearean. I, I want you to to be a little bit more subdued. Not quite sure how 
I think that's my biggest issue with this movie is Branna. But I think Branna is also one of the biggest issues, reasons why this movie works. I mean, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston aside as well. Yeah, Loki's great. Um, you could, it's cool seeing him as a good guy again, although it also is a stark difference watching this movie after Ragnarok and Infinity War mm-hmm. and Game Con. Like, seeing how silly of that character is. and I, I'm happy with where he's gone, but it, Thor has always kind of been that way, but the whole, everybody in those mo- movies are silly. Um, and mm-hmm. it's pretty much just Thor when he's on Earth is silly there. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, this is... This is decent. Uh, this is, this is good. I, like I said, I think I think Branagh just needs a little bit of rain. The held the reins held a little tighter, a little closer to the chest, and I think this is a solid movie. Yeah, and the end the end just seems to take a little too long. It's a little bit too long of a movie as well. Specifically, yeah, what, what the last the final thirty minutes. Now? Uh, it's probably close to two hours. Uh, okay, two, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, the, these first ones were all very close to two hours. Yeah. Um, really until the Avengers and even the Avengers is like two fifteen. like they were still trying to hit that two hour mark because I think they were wondering can we release a two and a half hour superhero movie and right. you know they would later release a three hour one but yeah. <laughs> Captain America the first Avenger what do you think like I love it I hate it just like I think it's just okay I'm gonna go back and say for the first time since Iron Man that I love this one um, yeah me too I love this movie yeah. yeah I think it's right up there with Iron Man like as my favorite uh, origin stories. I think they're I think they're right side by side on my overall MCU ranking too. Mm-hmm. I love what they do with Cap's character, his art. Haley Atwell is great in this movie. Who plays the scientist? Is it Stanley Tucci? Yeah, yeah, he's he's great in it. Um, this movie has just a lot of characters that I like. Um, Red Skull is a, is one of the best villains, maybe my favorite of Phase One, other than maybe Loki. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like about this movie. I think showing Cap as a naive, I don't want to say do-gooder, but I mean that's kind of what he is. You know, just the nice guy who always does the right thing. Um, sure. Especially in contrast with Iron Man, of course that comes to a head later. But I just I think it's cool they don't they make him super moral, which could have been boring. The way they did it by still putting him in difficult situations, I think made it not so. That's that's a good point, and that's part of the reason why I would say I land where I land to is in the loved it category. Is uh, well, let's let's start with Chris Evans. He's excellent. He's mm-hmm. perfect. Great he, casting. He, perfect cast. I mean, and, and you know, we barely mentioned Chris uh, Hemsworth earlier too. Excellent casting. We definitely talked about Robert Downey Jr. We talked about you know, kind of both liking Ed Norton as well. MCU has always had credit for it and we got to mention again they're excellent casters at least up until Mm -hmm. this point we kind of mentioned maybe Rhodey being not great and you know getting people like Idris Elba and maybe misusing them but you know but still getting solid people and especially like Mm -hmm. let's just say alternate universe that WB owns Marvel instead do you think WB would have moved forward with Chris Evans as Captain America with like just a couple years prior him being the Human Torch I think Marvel took a gamble on casting yeah a little bit and and I think, it, but I think it's okay because I think it works really well. Oh, absolutely! Because um, because he's so good. I also just love seeing superheroes in World War II era. Like, I don't think I'd seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously now we've seen it with, uh, you know, um, there's to some degree Hellboy and uh, Wonder Woman, the first mm-hmm. movie being in World War II. Like we've seen it to some degree, but at the same time, like there is something really cool about seeing him in this way, especially because like. There's no, I mean, there is technology influence because they're dealing with alien tech weaponry and things like that. 
But for the most part, like seeing Cap just on the front lines of World War II is some of my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have, you know, Iron Man is a very high tech movie. You know, it sounds yeah. silly saying it now in 2020, but in 2008, it's very high tech and has a lot to do with technology. And Thor is very mystical and Incredible Hulk is very sci-fi. And like, I kind of like that Cap was like, kind of like a history movie. Yeah, like an, al- Cap- like an alternate, like a Wolfenstein kind of. Yeah, I like him as a character, especially... I mean, they still sometimes will overdo it on the shield, and they even joke about it how the shield doesn't obey the laws of physics at all later it, in the movies. That's true. But it other doesn't. than other than the shield stuff, which I mean, I still like. I think it's really cool to watch. But I really like Captain America as a character, as a superhero, because I mean, he is like juiced up essentially, but he doesn't have any real powers. Like he's just out there fighting essentially. Well, I mean, and Tony points that out, you know, where he says right. the lab experiment gone wrong. But, you know, but the we don't love this character because he's strong. We love this character because of his morals and what he stands for, which is why this reflected so perfectly in Endgame with with him picking up Mjolnir. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and everything comes full circle because when Tony says you're, you're everything special from you came out, came from a bottle and obviously not because you can will. Yeah, you know, it's just I love this, um, this movie. And I think it I think it also. I mean, it's a little forced. I, I, I wish this would have been the first MCU movie released. Um, mm. And then you you take your second movie, and that's when you have them get stuck in ice. That's the one. Yeah. I, w- I wish this would have been 2008, and then they would have had... I wish, it w- I wish it would have been two Captain America movies and one Iron Man movie before you have uh, the Avengers. It, yeah, I do but, think overall the Captain America trilogy is much stronger than the Iron Man trilogy. Even though I put, I put yeah. Iron Man over Captain America First Avenger... We we won't talk about this because this is phase one week, but like Winter Soldier and Civil War are very top tier uh, MCU for me, so that's okay. why I say that. So maybe take it back and I, th- this is surprisingly like not as highly rated as I thought it was because I I'd put this as like a nine out of ten, mm-hmm. um, not quite as good as Iron Man, but this is definitely like the step to you know step right. two, but. Uh, you know, it's one of the lower rated ones on IMDb. Right. It's got like six point something. I, I don't get it. I just don't. Because yeah. uh, I really like this movie. And I was just like rewatched it when they came out in 4K and you know, getting up to Avengers Endgame. And I was like, no, this is still really good. I still really mm-hmm. like this movie. Like I said, I, I'd like to imagine an alternate history where this one came out first. And then because I would like to spend more time with him in the past yeah. um, to kind of get that. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, spend two movies establishing it before you send him to the future. But it's okay. And I guess there's also a potential that we could get more cap back in the 40s, but I doubt small it. possibility. But it's 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 out there. I really like Hugo Weaving as Red Skull too. I think that's mm-hmm. great, and I like Red Skull as a character. Um, he's, yeah. he, I wish Hugo Weaving had been more open to coming back because I think they would have done more with Red Skull than they did. Well, I think that was always the plan was to bring him back in a different role, but I think right. they, the fact that they brought him back at all to me is better than. Yeah, and it makes sense the way they tried to explain it. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, I was so entranced by the Infinity Stones that it captivated me. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. Uh, he's a big part of it. It's this is also the first time where we see a hero and a villain be able to stare each other down and even fight before the climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, because well, I mean, like Iron Man and Whiplash do, but like that fight is settled. Iron Man wins. Right. And uh and with the Incredible Hulk like an abomination, like it's pretty much just towards the end that he fights actually fights Abomination. This is the first like we see him stand off and eventually like the bridge just breaks between them and it's just like, what are you gonna do? Like mm-hmm. nothing. It's just like cool. 
pick up where we left off later. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just a really intense moment. And I, I appreciated that this film did that. All right. What do you think about Bucky? I like him as a character. I think Sebastian Stan did a good job. I think what they did with him ultimately was cool. I don't know if it was the best path to go, but ultimately I'm not upset at anything that they did with Bucky. I thought he was a good foil kind of to Cap's character, that he was somebody that Steve Rogers had looked up to, and he was kind of a connection back to who he was before. Sure. Uh, He served that purpose really well. And then I think killing him off, or, I mean, you know, not ultimately. Right, right, right. right. Killing Essentially, was interesting to see, essentially, Captain America's last connection to the man he was before being taken away from him. Sure. This is something, again, I I think would have worked better if there would have been two Captain America movies before the Avengers Mm -hmm. because you kill him off in this first one and you give Steve some time to be without Bucky. And uh, because Steve's story is so intertwined with his relationship with Bucky and like to some degree, I'm like, okay. And I'll talk, I guess I'll talk more about Bucky in the future, but I, I I don't particularly, I I know it's easy for a lot of people to kind of crap on him and the storyline. I think Sebastian Stade is doing well. Uh, mm-hmm. as him i think he's a good cast for that um and obviously he's a was an up was an up-and-coming actor after that movie uh, and has done some some really interesting roles since then with uh the devil all the time and uh, itanya and rush no not rush what was the other um he did like a racing one right i don't, nah, remember. I don't know i, don't think I, I can't one. remember but like he's had some he's had some some good roles some decent sized stuff come up mm-hmm. so um but yeah i just uh i i get why it's easy to crap on him and i was like I mean, it's I, I accept it. I think I think uh, seeing him as actually Bucky, not as you know Bucky with a metal arm, is is interesting. And it was also cool because I didn't know that he becomes the Winter Soldier when I first saw the first movie. That was right. like something that I read up on afterwards. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that either. And so, like, I was like, okay, they really just did that. And like, sure, we didn't see him die, so he's something's going to happen later. But he doesn't come at the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, no, they really did that. Like. Yeah, or when he doesn't come in to help fight Red Skull, you know, it's like, oh no, okay, yeah, Bucky's really dead. Wow, okay, I like that. All right, and the Avengers. I'm on the border of like and love. For the sake of positivity, I'll go with love. Okay. Um, I adored it when it first came out. It hadn't grown on me much in the years since, but it's still, it's still a very good time. The final battle is great. Having Loki be like kind of the central antagonist, even though. He couldn't like win a fight against a single one of the core Avengers. I think is a cool concept. I mean, we could we could talk about all the different details that went into this movie, but there's a lot to love about it, and the fact that nothing really like that had been done before. Like, of course, it was the culmination of Phase One. Right. I, I feel like it was a big gamble. Like, it could have gone very wrong very quickly. Well, and uh, what was really interesting to see was I remember walking out of the Avengers theater. There was a lot of people that like had not seen half of the movies, did not love the movie any less than I did. Right. Like, you know, uh, I, I love it. I love this movie. I'm firmly in that camp. And you're right. There haven't really been anything like this beforehand because, I mean, sure, there have been like intersecting characters, but nothing that's been obviously what the MCU is. And uh, there's been several things since then that have taken that model and more power to them. Great. Um like I'm for this. I'm for connected universes and I'm for good movies and I'm for connected universes that are good. Um, right. Not like, you know, dark universes that are planned and then scrapped after one movie. But 
but yeah, I I think that this does not hold up for rewatches for me anymore. But it's only because I probably saw it twenty times in the first two, maybe three years of release. I watched mm-hmm. it so much. I saw this one three times in theaters because I saw it opening night, and then the next day I went to go see it with my mom because I saw it with my friends opening night. Then I went to go see it with my mom, and then I went to go see it. They like re-released it for a week, um, mm-hmm. like before, uh, like right before it came out in home release and I went, I saw it. So I saw it three times in theaters and then, um, uh, you know, several times on Blu-ray. Like it's right. And at the time I would have said it's my favorite Marvel movie. So I I just think I've watched it so much. I I know this movie beat by beat. So it just doesn't quite, yeah, I I think I'd rather pick up Iron Man, um, Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, maybe even Captain America because I've definitely seen it less times. Um, but it's, it's, it's not to any fault of the movie. It's just, I've seen this movie enough times. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it to where I know it beat for beat. And so I'm right. okay watching it less often. Um, so it does not anything I can hold the movie for. It's just me and my overexposure right. at the beginning. Um, yeah. yeah, there's not a lot negative to say about it. I mean, Hawkeye, he's definitely a side character that is, I mean, that's kind of what he's been in the whole MCU so far. Like I just. Yeah, I think it would have been more interesting to see one of the core Avengers be turned. Sure. Um, I mean, and this is kind of the same thing where you were saying they were trailblazing what we now see as kind of cliche, but the you know massive CGI army of aliens at the end that we've now seen. In- well, wh- right, who else would you have turned then? Because like, my first instinct is, okay, well, didn't you do Black Widow? you could just easily replace those two characters. And then it also gives motivation for Clint to come in for Hawkeye to mm-hmm. come in. But then also if it's Natasha, then um, we'd be saying the same thing. Like, why did it have to be the woman character? Like, <laughs> right. You know, I, and you could do Hulk, but we're, we have a new Hulk here and you could do yeah. Captain America or Iron Man, but these are I, our favorites. And I and think you could, Thor you, my pick. you could do Thor, but that would be, Difficult to write because you know he's like so powerful. Sure. Um, well, but, but it is Loki. Like, yeah, I, wouldn't I just, be that hard to write. But yeah, I do think it would be interesting to see like one of the more powerful and one of the because did we see Clint before Avengers briefly in uh, Thor? Yeah, I think I do remember that. Um, but I do think it would have packed a little bit more emotional punch right at the outset if one of the if the character to be turned was somebody that we had like seen and cared about. And I guess they kind of tried to do that with Stellan Skarsgård, another, another actor kind of wasted. How how about this? Uh, Maybe not like a primary actor, but, and maybe not an actor that we, or maybe not a character that we super care about, but what if it's a roadie instead? And then we still, you know, get Hawkeye as part of the team for the whole thing. Cause like Mm -hmm. Hawkeye's not super underused in this movie. It's just, he's immediately turned bad. And yeah, we don't really know about him because when he's under control, like he's, it's just that. And he's not really right. like special. Uh, yeah, Rhodey really would be him. an interesting pick. I'd like to see that. Um, so, so maybe Rhodey's our best bet because like we said, we want an established character that we care about as opposed to this brand new character, but you don't yeah. want to make it your only female and you don't want to make it any of your changing or your core. So that leaves, yeah, Thor and Rhodey and, the leader, I guess, maybe abominate. Well, we don't care about the leader. But I mean, we're we're nitpicking at this point. Um, Buck, Bucky. <laughs> yeah, that'd be very interesting. Yeah, we're we're you're right. We are nitpicking at this point. Uh, uh, well, it's 
It's at, great the, the way at, it at this point. The overall Hawkeye thing is not nitpicking, but yes, at this point, right, right, right. It's got that Joss Whedon charm to it. It's it's got a great story. Tom Hiddleston is killing it. This is really where he starts to shine because mm-hmm. um, he did good in Thor, but he's excellent yeah. in this movie. Sa- uh, Sam Jackson, uh, bigger role, always for that. Ripped Phil Coulson, but the yeah. Agents of Shield, and yeah, uh, and we get introduction of Maria Hill, who's also severely mm-hmm. underused. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see more Toby Smalders character development, but. We'll see. We'll see if she ever is more than Fury's shadow. Because in the comics, she becomes the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, really? At some point. Yeah, at some point. I'm going to be real. I've never read a comic in my life. Okay. But I still love these movies. Um, sure. There's a lot to like about this. Yeah, I mean, costumes are great. CG, this, is, this, is gr- this is where we get the first new CG Hulk, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Thor's costume a lot better in this one than in the Thor movie. I, of course, Iron Man's upgrading suits all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, a lot of these are to sell toys, but if you're also going to improve the way these characters look, I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I get, just what do we say about these movies at this point? Not much new. Right. So uh, maybe, maybe as we get to the second phase and third phase with Ben, that I'll be able to say more, but uh, for the most part, I like to love most of these. All right. Well, uh, Reed, if you had to rank just the movies we've talked about, what would you, what would you go? Let's go from best to worst. Best to worst. All right. My best is still going to be Iron Man followed by Captain America. First Avenger, then the Avengers, then Thor, and then Incredible Hulk. Uh, not a lot of difference between the would, top three. Would Iron Man two be before oh, Incredible Hulk? Yeah, sorry. Thor, Iron Man two, then Incredible Hulk. Okay, I have the exact same list as you, except flip Avengers and Captain America. I would put Avengers as number two. so Iron Man, mm-hmm. the Avengers, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man two, Incredible Hulk. That's what I'd go That's with. It. Well, um, since you are not going to be on. For the rest of the the MCU, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, just go ahead and give you a rank? I won't since uh, since I'll be talking about with them with Ben. But uh, if you want to go ahead and give your ranking um, on the whole MCU as a whole, um, again, start from uh, uh, best to worst because that's the easiest to remember. All right, so my list, my number one is still Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I think that movie's awesome. I love everything about it. Uh, then I've actually got Endgame and Infinity War. That's two okay. and three. Civil War is number four. I know there's a lot of Russo brothers right there at the top, but I can't help myself. I love all four of those. Ragnarok's my number five. Uh, number six is the original Iron Man. Number seven is Captain America, the first Avenger. Eight is the original Avengers. Nine is Guardians of the Galaxy. Ten is Black Panther. Eleven is Iron Man 3. Twelve is Spider-Man Far From Home. 13 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 14 is Avengers Age of Ultron. 15 is Spider-Man Homecoming. 16 is Thor. 17 is Captain Marvel. 18 is Ant-Man. 19 is Doctor Strange. Iron Man 2 is number 20. Ant-Man and the Wasp at 21. Thor The Dark World at 22. And The Incredible Hulk rounding us out at number 23. Okay. Well, uh, let's. Uh, I think we've talked about the MCU for quite a bit. Uh, we can we can move on to the to the B plot. So I, I will get. You know, I'll continue to talk about the MCU with Ben as we go. We're supposed to be finishing up the MCU right about the time Black Widow comes out. So nice. I'm excited uh, so, to hear you guys' thoughts. Yeah, um, I'm excited to give them because boy, do I have thoughts, especially about <laughs> the ones after Phase One. Because what more can we say about Phase One? But I got things to say about Phase Two and Three. So the B plot. This comes from Joseph. I find it fitting that you're on uh, for this episode. Joseph wanted to know what's the oldest movie you've ever seen, and you know, find that fitting because you watch a lot of 
older movies. And I thought about like saving this for maybe like one of the weeks that Robert and I do, but you know, I could always throw it in that, like get to know you section. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what's the, what is the oldest movie that you've ever seen? I have five that I'm prepared to list. Um, so why don't you go ahead and list like one and then you know, we could do kind of a back and forth thing. All right. The oldest movie that I've seen is from 1921. I'm going to be honest. The 20s is not like, I, I like a lot of these movies, but 40s and 50s is kind of my, where I call home. Um, but the oldest movie I've seen is The Kid from 1921. Yeah, I recently bought the Criterion of that for for the Black Friday sales they had. So I have not seen it, but I own it. So it is very likely that that will be, uh, that will be up there. Uh, which apparently you can stream the kid on Prime Video. So uh, if somebody's interested in watching that without having to buy the Criterion, watch it That's on where I Prime. It. Nice. Uh, my oldest movie is actually 1933, so you still beat me by about 12 years. Do you have any that come out before 1933? Yeah, I've also got The Gold Rush, which is another Chaplin one in 25. Okay. Uh, the General, which is Buster Keaton, which yep. is actually my favorite of the 20s and 20s. So I love that movie. Um, Those are just hard to find, the Buster Keaton ones. Yeah. Without without spending tons of money. Yeah. I happened to find a two-pack at a pawn shop. It was the General and one other one. I don't even remember. Uh, wow. I don't think I've All watched right. it yet. Yeah, I was pretty excited. And then Metropolis in 1927. Okay. Yeah, my first is 1933 with The Invisible Man. Um, I only watched ah. this recently as well um, because I watched it when the uh, the remake came out. Uh, or not gotcha. the remake, the reboot, whatever whatever you want to call it. It's not really either. But when uh, the Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Visible Man came, mm-hmm. came out, I'm like, I don't think there's connections and there's not, but I was like, I still want to watch the original first. So I did like, right. a, I think I watched the original uh, earlier and, uh, and then the next one, the day after astonishing that that movie came out in 1933 with how, how it's made. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. It, it's an excellent movie. It's really good. The, first, the original King Kong came out in 1933. Also, that one's fantastic. That's uh, I haven't seen that yet. So yeah, my oldest is The Invisible Man. So and then my next is uh, that was 1933. My next is 37. Are any of your other like top fives between 33 and 37? No, I think I've said all the ones that I had. Oh, okay. Other than King Kong 1933, The Kid, Gold Rush, General, and Metropolis were the five oldest ones that I'd seen. Got it. Yep. So Invisible Man, 1933 for me. And then this this is kind of surprising um, because I didn't think about it but until afterwards. But then I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, 1937. And I was like, I mm-hmm. guess it makes a lot of sense that a lot of these older Disney animated ones, you know, that were coming out that long ago. Like, I guess I guess that makes sense yeah. um, that, th- that these would be some of the oldest movies I've ever seen. So yeah, uh, Snow White and Seven Doors, 1937, The Wizard of Oz, 1939, and then one that I did with Robert for Goats on a first week, actually, His Girl Friday, 1940, and Pinocchio, also 1940. So nice. that's my top five. So all of my five were in 1940 or earlier, and then I, if I had another in 1940, it would have been there, but the next movie I had listed um, in terms of like oldest was uh, Citizen Kane, 1941. Mm. But uh, Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. think about this one. I forgot to write it down. M. Came out in 1931. Also, Fritz Line, who did Metropolis. Um, All right. Yeah, that one's also fantastic. Cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch that one. And, you know, I'm excited to watch a lot of older movies now. Because it turns out old movies can be good. Cool. Well, uh, that's uh, that's fun. I'll have to ask Robert what the oldest ones that he's seen is uh, the next time I have him on. Which two weeks from now so cool well hey uh reed as we're kind of wrapping up here let's do a quick spin off so what is that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to either watch or to avoid uh this is my christmas movie recommendation kiss kiss bang bang 
Oh yes, I love this not movie. Seen that movie, I it's in my top ten all time. I love every line of dialogue in that movie. I love every performance. I could not love that movie more. Not enough people have seen it, and it's Christmas time. It's a Christmas movie. I will die on that hill. So yeah, kiss, kiss, yes. bang, bang. That's everybody I'm, go watch it. Yep, I really like that movie. I've been kind of having an itch to watch it again. And uh, yes, uh, very fitting. Uh, written and directed by Shane Black. The closest thing you'll get to this movie is The Nice Guys, which is oh. my favorite movie of all time. I, I like The Nice Guys a lot. It's not kiss, kiss, bang, bang to me, but see, I'm the, I'm the same way. I think that. Kiss, base, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, walked so that the nice guys could run. I, I fully acknowledge that Shane Black was doing things in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang that he perfected in the nice guys. Uh, I wish Shane I, Black, but I th- if Shane Black would make nothing but buddy co- comedies for the rest of his career, I'm I'd there. be thrilled. I'm I there for see everyone. everyone. Yeah. I, w- I want to see the Lethal Weapon and Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang and the nice guy Shane Black for the rest of my life. I don't want to see any more like The Predator. So yeah, uh, I think he did a fine job with Iron Man 3, but I was still upset that he wasn't doing another buddy cop movie. Right. So yeah, I'm really happy about Kiss, 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 Bang, Bang. Super high recommend for me as well. Uh, But for my spinoff, I'm going to talk about, this isn't a Christmas movie. This is just one that I happened to watch this last Mm -hmm. week. uh, I I saw my parents and my my parents are old and um, they like, some movies that I show them, but like, uh, like my mom watches the Marvel movies with me. So they're kind of special to me, but like my dad is really hard to please. Uh, mm. but I, sh- but I showed them knives out and they, bo- and they really loved it. But, mm. uh, the night before we watched knives out, we watched a movie called without a clue that I mm. had never heard of until I think, uh, Jonathan Watkins brought it up on the, uh, behind the sins podcast. Uh, one time it, this is a fascinating movie. I don't love it as much as I want to, but I, I had a good time. I, I really liked it. The uh, the conceit of this movie is, uh, first of all, this is like 1983-ish. This is definitely in the 80s somewhere. But uh, you have Sir Michael Caine playing Sherlock Holmes. And you have uh, Sir Ben Kingsley playing Dr. John Watson. But in this story, this is a little bit of a, of a spoof. It's a, it's a comedy because uh, Michael Caine as Sherlock is actually a drunkard and an actor. He's not really a detective he's not even necessarily a terribly smart person and then dr watson is actually the genius writing the sherlock stories but he is doing the things that he's saying sherlock is doing he just doesn't want to be he started off not wanting to be in the public eye which is why he he did that so um you have fascinating dynamics between ben kingsley and uh and sherlock uh uh, ben kingsley and uh michael kane they're both playing it very well uh, this is a very funny movie, uh, and it's very funny in like it's not quite a slapstick kind of way, but it's very funny in in kind of like a, a, a witty, charming screwball comedy kind of. Yeah. Uh, the funniest moments of this movie are when somebody will question Sherlock about things that oh, Sherlock, how did you know this? And then like Ben Kingsley will look at him like, "You got to answer, bud." He's like, Sherlock, how did you know this? And he's just like, "Because." And it's just like, like it's that kind of kind of humorous like how did you notice he's like well let me tell you something i just knew it like <laughs> it's it's that kind of a, i had a good time this isn't like excellent uh but this is this is a, a really good really good time to watch uh really good fun uh movie i don't really know how available it is i had to buy a blu-ray and it was like 20 bucks so but i was that intrigued by the concept and i'm saying like it's worth your 20 bucks that's what i'm saying so nice. i've not heard of that one well it was in orion's picture 
lots of old Orion movies, you know, that never translated mm-hmm. because Orion went bankrupt. So there we go. Uh, that's a wrap. Quick reminders of Pop Writer's Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, uh, then you can email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. The email address should be for you in your ep- episode description. And if you want to support the show, help out with some costs we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals. You can Venmo me at Schweitcastle, or you can uh, email, DM me on Twitter. Uh, or send an email to writersroom at pop.com for a PayPal address that I'll give you. Um, and please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show more than you'll ever know. And uh, the ways you connect with me is, like I said, obviously at Schweitcastle on Twitter and on Letterboxd, if you will. But, uh, but Reed, where can uh, people find you and where can people uh, tell you about what their uh, state food representation is? Uh, I'm on Twitter at not a writer yet. Uh, that's where I'm at most of the time. My letterbox is connected up there. If anybody wants to let me know about their state food or yell at me about my thoughts on the incredible Hulk, uh, I'm more than happy to, (laughs) more than happy to take that beating. Cool. Yeah. I don't know that anybody's really going to fault you for not loving the incredible Hulk. (laughs) I don't know that there's incredible Hulk apologists out there. Anyway. Hey, Reed, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate you filling in for Ben uh, and being, being able to talk movies with you. No problem. Happy to do it. Had a great time. Yeah, well, we'll have to do it again uh, sometime in the next, you know, some January to June sometime since we're having all the writers on again. And uh, uh, next week, I'm talking TV with, uh, with Shane. Uh, not Shane, uh, Vincent, sorry, Vincent. And, uh, and then next month for the comic book movies, Ben and I are talking about uh, Batman movies pre-Nolan. So the Adam West, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, and Michael Keaton batman movies so um, that's what we can look forward to in the future but you know in the meantime we got to get back to the writer's room 